Hello all, welcome to this episode of Buzzing, a Glasgow-based podcast talking about all things culture and art. I am your host, Natalie Nicolaides. This podcast was brought to you by Hive Curatorial Collective, a collective consisting of five independent curators based between Glasgow and Berlin. Within our projects, Hive works with artists who address issues surrounding ecology and ethics through the medium of exhibitions, installations and publications. The aim of the podcast is to have semi-casual to casual conversations and discussions around contemporary issues, not only within the world of art, but also using artistic work to translate the world around us, ranging from performance to sculpture and film to music. If you like what you hear and you'd like to reach out and chat, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram and find us on Facebook under Hive Curatorial Collective. I hope you enjoy. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I'm here today with Dr. Alexandra Ross of the uh, University of Glasgow. Alexandra is fine, yes. Okay. So I'm, I run the Masters in Curating the Curatorial Practice Contemporary Art Programme. Mm-hmm. So half of me is often to be found at GSA as well. So running between the two venues. But my role here is lecturer in contemporary art and curation. I do like this building. It's a nice building. It is nice. So we're currently seated in... I call it sometimes my my kind of cupboard, um, but it's much nicer than that. So there are lots of books and two beautiful Georgian sash windows, and I'm in the history of art department in the University of Glasgow. So it's it is nice, it's cosy, but it is somewhat of a cupboard. (laughs) It's not, uh, yeah. You have nice windows for a cupboard. I do. Don't have nice windows. All right. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about um, the Art Plus Feminism campaign, Mm -hmm. which. Last year, when we were doing the curatorial practice um, course, you came, I can't remember what month it was, but we did do an editathon. Mm-hmm. So, just a brief uh, introduction to what Art Plus Feminism is. It is, this is pulled directly from their website, and you can find it on artandfeminism.org. And it is so Art Plus Feminism is a non-profit organisation that directly addresses the inequality of gender, feminism and the arts on Wikipedia. Through building a global community and hosting editathons around the world, we strive to close the gaps in content and with editors. And an interesting um, statistic that they had uh, that they mentioned on their website is that in 2011, their Wikimedia Foundation found that less than 10% of its contributors identify as female, Uh, but more recent research points to 16% globally and 23% in the United States. So yeah, so last year we had this Mm editathon, and it was really interesting the way that only a few of us could open an account at any given time. Yeah, so the Art and Feminism Wikipedia editathons are ways in which that um, people can come together in any context, be it coffee shop Mm -hmm. or library or kind of academic environment, to come together, hear about the kind of structure, structures that are behind the scenes to either enable or disable Mm -hmm. engagement with Wikipedia, and also to kind of look at the systemic um, frameworks in which art is written about, historicised and made. So these um, art and feminism Wikipedia athons started off, I think it's almost in its seventh year now, and uh, they started off with this campaign that uh, kicked off in, well globally, but the hub of it was in New York, and um, I was, I participated in the first one whilst I was in Dundee actually during my PhD. So Sarah Cook had organised it and we came together 
And that was the first kind of foray into it where I realised it's obviously very complex that you need to get different types of agents together, let's say people that write about it, practice it, etc. And historically, so seven years ago, one of the things that happened was it was much more um, it was much more complicated to edit the pages. So you had to use kind of um, light coding in order to enter. Wow. A few years into that, about three three years later, uh, there was a migration towards plain text. So basically, it was it was like opening up into um, working on a word document. So it became very familiar and easier to edit. Now, the thing you're talking about is one of the things that is flagged up during an edit-a-thon, where you've got a group of people, a few, a, clust- a cluster, a kind mm-hmm. of clutch of people, or dozens, depending on where it's cited. And you realise if you try and open up an account fresh, so if you don't have a Wikipedia account and you're opening up from fresh, mm-hmm. and there's a more than five of you trying to do that at the same time, there is a red flag. And they they see it as um, kind of uh, sabotage, and there's a, a flag to basically say, why are so many people on one server trying to um, start accounts? So red flag, things are cut off, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a Wikimedia, Wikimedian or a veteran Wikipedian to jump in through their account and say, hey, sorry, we're actually doing a training session and uh, we've got new users here. Please, can you back off? then it's it's harder. So you need these people often to kind of negotiate and say, please back off, we're newbies. Because the veterans, a lot of the veterans, my veteran editors, of course, edited loads of pages, are very active. They'll have um, reminders and flags, essentially, on different pages. Mm-hmm. So it'll trigger, check into this, look at that, edit that, close that, revert back to uh, to previous format. So that's why, that's one of the things that you realise, doing an edit, kind of getting your hands dirty, that trying to create a space of information activism yeah. can often be kind of flummoxed by the system. So that's, there's like a custodian for each kind of page almost? Many, many, many. That's the thing. So people who are interested in um, or have edited particular pages, right. you you can monitor them and you do. You know, If you've uh, contributed, started, edited a page, you can say, please, yeah, want to monitor that. Mm-hmm. So every time there's activity, something will come through, you'll get a, um, a notification and you can keep an eye on it. If you're a heavy editor, of course, if you're very active, that can lead to a lot of notifications. Yeah. But the majority of the things that I've done over the years is more just how do we create community, bring people together, create awareness. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I have gained veteran status yet. <laughs> Far from it. So is that what pulled you into this campaign, this idea of community? And I, I suppose it was more what it spoke to on a kind of meta level, because at that first Wikipedia edit and training session, what became really clear was it wasn't just about what was happening in the framework of Wikipedia mm-hmm. and the kind of dearth of particular pages on women artists or the type of editor behind the scene. These were all very interesting components. But the real thing was, if we don't view the way that we write into the canon of art history in a very joined up and networked way, We'll just, well, well, again, I'll use the word flounder because you, 
the, the problem being that I know it's been raised by artists and activists in different kind of realms institutionally. I, obviously, Guerrilla Girls, historically, is, I've looked at that. But if you don't have museum shows, um, if you don't have um, articles in what in adverted commas high calibre journals or magazines or um, the visibility that's writing about your be it solo shows or projects or, or art practice, you don't have the notability and the the rigor the so essentially the the kind of the footnotes the references that sit at the bottom of wikipedia if you don't have those the pages can't exist and will be shut down so if we're not writing about women and if we're not writing and supporting about you know women's practice and articulating it if we're not giving them shows if we're not curating mm-hmm. projects that involve women and address that mis- you know the the imbalance between that then by the time we even get to the pages of wikipedia where there's there's no foundational support that we can uh, work with. I found that a lot when I was studying art history, that I would I would have a concept and I'd want to write about a specific something, and a lot of tutors would just metaphorically slap me on the wrist and say, "But you have no reference points for these. How can you write about something that no one else has written about before, or very few people have written mm-hmm. about before?" So it does get frustrating where you want to break the canon. But the structure of the <clears throat> of the I don't know the academy just mm-hmm. doesn't let you exactly, and I think one of the things within the within the academy within the teaching of curatorial practice and art history and studio practice is to to essentially reach out to um scurry around and find the less obvious sources to try and listen to voices that aren't being shouted about or aren't the most bombastic actually is a way that we can not walk the normal tropes of the people that have written because they've written and yeah. they've got this kind of publishing contract and you know we see them on our shelves as I point to them you know in this room we see the voices that are repeated and there is a dominance of the male within it so we need to take time and kind of delve deeper and I think that's why Wikipedia whilst it does have its structures it does have a more fleet of foot capacity and it's not as academically uh, tethered than let's say if you're writing an academic article so Mm. you can put in you know you can put in podcasts you can put in um, youtube interviews you can put things that are more multimedia which is great um yeah so i find wikipedia as a format is it lends itself more obviously i mean it's very obvious that it it lends itself more towards activism yeah the last one, to my knowledge, uh, editathon that we had, mm-hmm. that you hosted, was September 2019. I don't know if you've done another one since. Yeah, well, actually, um, I should point out that one of the things that happened, so that was my, seven years ago, that was when I was based in Dundee, finishing up my PhD. Mm-hmm. Then when I became more active was the following year, the year after, I was in Cape Town at the University of Cape Town mm-hmm. um, doing my postdoc. And I found myself, I reached out to Jacqueline Maybe in New York and said I'd be really interested in hosting a Wikipedia-thon in Cape Town. Um, is there a way that I can, you know, kind of the pack, you know, etc. And then I can start um, building a network. And she said, interestingly, there seems to be somebody else in your art school, where you're based at Michaelis Art School, who mm-hmm. has similarly reached out. As it transpires, we were the only two in the country that were in the country that we're looking at this and meanwhile we were a couple of studios away so Jess Holdengard was my other half in this ignition of the the movement in the in Cape Town area 
So we were based in uh, a location in Cape Town where, to give a bit of context, it was actually going through um, huge, and is still going through, huge um, activism and renewal resurgence of uh, decolonisation. And the majority of the debates that are happening around this stemmed from our campus from the University of Cape Town in 2015, when the protests for Roads Must Fall happened there, not in Oxford, as the press would lead you to believe. The memorial was in Cape Town, right in the heart of the campus, and that was where, um, on a day-to-day basis, students were continuously seeing this man sitting, you know, if you can paint a picture, sitting, looking over the rugby pitch in the heart of the campus. It was the kind of cliché of so many things, and... So we were creating a campaign of art and feminism within this backdrop of renewed student protest and activism where people were putting their bodies on the line to fight for free education and for decolonisation. And so what Jess and I were trying to do was create a space that was a safe space. Um, we had to negotiate where where we saw um, men within that environment and also... As a result, for example, we, we decided, yes, men were welcome so long as um came with the right ethos and support and intention. Mm-hmm. Namely, the Wikimedian, the Wikipedia specialist that came and hosted us, mm-hmm. Douglas, actually was that very cliche of the demographic. He was white, middle-aged, beardy, white man. I said white twice. But that really, in that context, it, really, it was an important fact. Yeah. So he... We you know before we even entered the room, we had to make it very clear that this is a particular. This isn't just general Wikipedia training. This is an art and feminism campaign. He was totally on board, and it was great. But some participants decided on another time I'll come. It doesn't feel safe enough for me, and others yeah. it was just exactly the site where we needed to talk about things. Yeah, in a moment where it was it was really tough. So Jess, I not ironically, but fascinatingly. Jess is actually here doing her MFA. So since I've moved back, and I'm now in Glasgow, she's now in the first year of her MFA at GSA. (laughs) So there will be more of these meetups. And indeed, there's one with the curatorial practice course that will be happening with gender studies at the University of Glasgow in March. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Something I can come to. Quite possibly. The intention is to try and see how can we have this discussion that isn't cited entirely in the art context, yeah. but rather gender, gender histories, the canon, uh, and what that might mean, and actually let the let the content grow from there, rather than saying, okay, we've got 12 pages that we need to look at mm-hmm. of women artists, let's do that. Instead, it's let's have the discussion first, see where the holes are. Maybe it's actually about pulling apart the University of Glasgow website or um, something related to Glasgow histories. Yeah. We'll see where that grows. But I think having that proximity between gender studies and curatorial practice will be a nice frisson. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure it will be. I just wanted to go back a little bit to what you were saying, mm-hmm. that some people just didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Well, they, did they not feel safe in the site? Or did they just not feel safe because being a woman in the site, editing... Well, oh, well, it's really, it's all those things. Okay. So, but I think about a few in particular um, that that comment was made in reference to. Basically, we invited everyone quite personally, as well as on a kind of more distribution flyer based relationship. But we realised 
because both Jess and I knew a lot of artists based in the city, both in the art school and out with, we thought it's best in our first outing mm-hmm. to directly contact different artists and curators and writers and academics. And that one-to-one email invite and brokering of this is what we're planning, this is what we're doing, this is our intention, um, what are your thoughts are you free? Can you? I think just a couple felt a bit anxious about having that discussion around men mm. and that for them in their particular formulation of feminism was uncomfortable yeah. and for many others it was not. But that actual, the sightedness of it, the being located right in the heart of the art school where there were protests on upper campus and I mean it started in the University of Cape Town and spread through the whole country all the universities, I mean, we're talking shutdown, protest, tear gas. It was really, really fraught. And the first meetup happened quite early on. So things hadn't really escalated yet, but already there was this real tension. So, yeah, the campus was contested. The campus was, for many, a site of anxiety, even stepping on into that space where people were fighting for free education. Mm-hmm. Because in 1994, when apartheid officially ended, one of the promises was for free education and you know, fast forward 20 odd years, so little had changed systemically. And there was now this generation called born freeze, colloquially, meaning born post-apartheid mm-hmm. end, that were saying, hold on, why have things not changed? Why are there still barriers everywhere? Yeah. Enough's enough. It's formidable. It was formidable and it made every encounter that one had and still has in Cape Town in South Africa, one that has to be framed very carefully and I think um, attentiveness to language and care runs through throughout it's it's hard, there's no answer, I think it's just about listening, listening to people shutting up as well, so that often the space for art and feminism was more let's talk about things, let's you know, be heard Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't just about how many pages can we edit today It was more because statistics are there, and that's great. It can make for you know a successful campaign that you've done Mm -hmm. x amount of words or added this. That's nice that you can walk away and say, "Here's the stats for today." But it's not really about that. It's much more, you know. Have uh, we talked about things that need to be talked about? Are there you know maybe we'll curate a project together. Maybe we'll do a podcast. These are the type of things that came out of it for sure. So I know that I think the Glasgow Women's Library did an edit-a-thon. Mm-hmm. Was it 2014, I think? I think they've done a few, actually. They've been quite active in that respect. But, yeah. yeah. They are... The thing is, as well, the campaigns can be more visible or more in coffee shops or in people's houses. Um, to refer back to the person that I mentioned at the beginning, so Sarah Cook, <laughs> she apparently, overnight, as she goes to bed might just do a little bit of editing, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Um, so it can happen one-to-one. It can yeah. happen in coffee shops. It can happen with a glass of wine. I think, it, and also that can be really useful because when you are, when, when a page is like reverted back to a previous state or somebody intervenes, it can be very frustrating. So I think you just need to go take a breath, try again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. was all my talking points that's okay um you did ask me in advance before we kind of turned the microphone on if there were any other examples of information activism that I was aware of or interested in yeah and I think because of my own personal research interest in things like archives 
and challenging dominant narratives and pulling in kind of more marginalised or liminal voices. I really like the way certain archives have approached things. So one, which I'm sure you've encountered, is Cine Nova. Mm -hmm. So that's a um, feminist and queer archive of artists moving image based down in London with affiliations with Lux. Um, The way that they have an agenda and the way they're um, taking care of storing, restoring, presenting and distributing these particular genre of of, um, artist moving image I think is really special and unique. Uh, You mentioned Glasgow Women's Library as well, the way that they perform a role curatorially, archivally and also as a kind of a such a vibrant hub. I mean you go there on a day-to-day basis and it's just so well used. You've got specialists that are um, just ready to help and care. The word care just keeps coming up because I think that's the most important thing and can manifest in different ways. But the the way in which in my own research practice I'm working in a, I suppose, a form of information activism is with this brilliant archive based in Cape Town but has roots globally in so many ways called SAHO, which is South African History Online. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a platform about to enter its 20th year anniversary this year. And what they've been doing is trying to gather many, many documents, voices, interviews, um, things from archives, personal or public, into one space and to essentially not rewrite the history of pre- and post-apartheid South Africa, but Mm -hmm. certainly to create the nuance, create polyphony, multiple voices and approaches and address inaccuracies and um, bring silenced voices to the fore. And the way that they are working, I think, is just brilliant. And they have pan-African aspirations, but also, you know, the times I've located myself in in the office, you just hear international press calling, wanting uh, interviews galore from the director, Omar Badshah, who's actually a photographer by training. He's an amazing activist photographer in his own right. So I think everything he does on Saho has this lens of an artist activist. Um, so I think those type of archives perform information activism and... As a result, in fact, the Wikimedia, Wikipedia Art and Feminism campaign works closely with archivists and librarians. So at most meets, you'll have those guys there too. Yeah, thinking about the organisation and taxonomy and, you know, we need all these type of nerds coming together, um, of which I'm absolutely a nerd. (laughs) Yeah, just to bring in different reference points and explore different ideas. I really enjoy the term um, information activism. Mm. so much I know I know and I mean it's it's empowering and it's useful in that it gives maybe very small attritional steps into rewriting the canon or breaking the canon it gives it value and shows that you know going to bed and doing a little edit to Wikipedia before you fall asleep (laughs) can be really useful and those attritional and little kind of little edits can make a difference kind of want to go on to curatorial activism but well, we can do. Um, <laughs> or we can do that another time. Oh, we can do that another time. Yeah. But no, thanks for bringing me into the fray in this discussion. Happy to discuss. And also, um, I'll let you know when the next meetup's going to happen. Yes, please. And yeah, we can distribute that accordingly. Thanks. Um, yeah. For, to all of our 100 followers. Yeah. It's better than And that growing. Thing. Exactly. Yes, growing. Bit by bit. Yes. <laughs> um, so thank you. My pleasure.
Nice um, chatting. Yeah, same. Have a good day and hopefully it won't rain. It will rain. It will. It will rain.